Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Isn't that a cool video? Yeah. It's a really cool video. I love watching that kind of stuff. It's very impressive to see the guys flying in the air and doing all those crazy tricks. Uh, I love watching the kites open up in the air and then just being lifted up. I love watching the speed of the surfers picking up as well, the, the boards gliding through the waves. They're all really cool things to watch. But the one thing we can't see is the very thing that makes all these things happen. It's the power behind it all, the wind. None of us could see the wind, but we all could see what it does, its power. Last week, we started a new series based on the elements of nature, fire, water, soil, and wind. And the idea behind this series is to learn how God uses his creation and the elements of nature to teach us things about who he is and how he interacts with us. And this is something that we see all throughout the Bible, really. Right from the very beginning, we see God using the soil to form Adam. And we also hear uh, him talk about us like clay. He's, he refers to us as clay in the hands of the potter. We also see him manifesting himself as fire, guiding the Israelites in the desert in the night, or maybe as a burning bush when he called Moses to himself. God uses the waters of baptism to teach us about cleansing, and he also refers to himself as the living water available to all who thirst. As you can see, there are many, many examples all throughout the Bible where we see God using the elements of nature to reflect something about him or about us or how he wants to engage with us. And today we're going to focus on the element of wind. And at first when Dave told me that I was gonna be preaching about wind, I thought, no, why wind? It's the most boring one. I wanted fire, water. And then, then I started looking at wind and studying it. And the more I digged into scriptures, I realized it, it's the funnest. I got the best one. So thank you, Dave, for giving me the one you didn't want. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's not how it worked out. But I really was bummed about it. And now I'm really, really excited. The, the, the element shows up in the Bible from beginning to end. And it's almost like a wave that threads the whole story of God together. And before we jump into specific examples to see the wind, I'd like for us to pay attention to the Hebrew word for wind because this word is a very interesting word that will open up our understanding of who God is and how he wants to relate to us. So the Hebrew word for wind is ruach. Actually, that's not true. The Hebrew word for wind is ruach. That's how you say it. Try to say it with me. Ruach. One more time. Ruach. All right, now I'm going to ask just the children. Where are the children? Can you raise your hand so that I can see you? Children, are you ready? Try to say it. The count of three. One, two, three. Awesome. I love it. Well done, adults. I hope you learned something today. So the, the word ruach, it appears almost 400 times in the Old Testament. Just in the Old Testament, almost 400 times. That is a lot of times. 
And that actually makes a lot of sense because this word has so many different meanings and all of those meanings are interconnected. So, the, so when we look at all of them together, they paint a, a beautiful picture for us, a really big picture really uh, for God. So the first meaning, you already know it, it is wind. But did you know that this Hebrew word for wind is the exact same word for God's spirit and for breath, as in the breath of life. Exact same word. That means that if we were in Israel, in Israel, modern Israel today, and if all of us spoke Hebrew, and if we prayed in Hebrew, we would say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Wind. That's what we would say, and we would know that we are talking about the Holy Spirit. There are actually a few more meanings to this word, but we're just gonna stick to these three because they are the most common ones. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at three different passages that show the Holy Spirit either as wind or as breath, and we're gonna learn some really cool stuff. Sounds good? Yes. Okay, does anyone know when is the first time that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit? Genesis, yes, the very first page. As soon as you open the Bible, there it is, the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the opening lines? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was empty and had no form. Darkness covered the ocean, and the Spirit of God was moving over the waters. Some versions say that the Spirit was hovering over the waters. And have you ever tried to picture that in your mind? The Holy Spirit as wind flying over the water when the earth was being formed? Let's try to imagine that for a second. Let's, let's use our imagination. I know none of us was there to witness this, but we've all experienced the wind. We all know what it feels like. We, we all know what it sounds like. So why don't you close your eyes for a little bit, all of you. Close your eyes for about 30 seconds and just try to imagine this. Imagine the Spirit of God flying over the waters. Imagine it moving with freedom. Or perhaps blowing with power. cool, huh? You can open your eyes now. The wind is such a wonderful symbol for God. It is a force that can be as gentle as a summer breeze or as powerful as a hurricane. It can bring us peace and nurturing or it can propel a surfer up in the air like we watch in the video. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is very similar. He's like a faithful companion that goes with us wherever we go, partnering with us, interceding for us, and also providing for us whatever we may need, whether it's a gentle whisper to show us the way or a mighty force to propel us forward. Have you ever felt the power of wind? Have you ever experienced its tremendous force? I remember one time, 
when I was an exchange student in Indiana, of all places, and no offense to people from Indiana, but that place is very flat, like very, very flat and very windy. And so I was there during winter semester, and that winter was horrible. And because I was an exchange student, I did not have a car, so I had to walk to my classes every single day. And there was this one day, I was on my way to international business. I, th I think that was the class. I'm on my way to class. It was about 15 minutes walk. And all of a sudden, I found myself in the middle of a windstorm and a snowstorm. It had been snowing for weeks, so there was snow everywhere. And then there was this windstorm, and it was so crazy, I was convinced it was the end of the world. I had never experienced anything like that. Just try to picture a Mexican braving a snowstorm first time. And I'm like, what, what is this? The wind was so powerful. I was actually, you know, doing this. My body was like at this angle and I was not falling because the wind was keeping me. And every time I tried to take a step, the wind would blow my leg and it was horrible, horrible, horrible. I actually cried the whole time. And I eventually made it to my class, still crying, actually bawling. And everybody thought that something really bad had happened to me. So of course, they all stopped and they asked me, what happened to you? And I just stood there by the door and said, nothing, <laughs> it's just cold. <laughs> and they all laughed until the end of the semester. I was the joke of the class. And now it's funny, but it wasn't back then. But the point is that wind can be one of the most powerful forces on earth. And it can show us the kind of power that God can have in our lives and in the world. And talking about power in this world, do you remember what God did to rescue the people of Israel when they were fleeing Egypt? What did he do? He parted the sea. And how did he do it? With wind, a strong wind from the east. The story says that when the Israelites were running away, the angel of the Lord stood between the Egyptians and the Israelites, protecting them. And then Moses, who was at the very front, he raised his hand over the Red Sea, and the Lord caused a strong wind to blow from the east, and the wind blew all night long. The sea split, and the wind made the ground dry so the people of God could cross over to the other side. And that must have been one of the most impressive things to ever witness. And many people, when they hear these stories, they say, well, great, but th those things happen during biblical times, not now. But let me tell you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the things that he did thousands of years ago, he continues to do to this day, amen? He does. He is powerful today. All around the world, we see people being healed from terminal illnesses because, because people lay hands on them, because people prayed for them and spoke life into them through the power of the Holy Spirit. All over the world, we see people from all different backgrounds turning their lives around, turning to Jesus, all because of the power of the Holy Spirit who reveals all things to us. Watching the water split, I'm sure it was impressive. But watching a hard, a hard, um, a hard heart, a cold heart being transformed, 
relationships being restored, that's even more impressive, at least for me. The power of the Holy Spirit is at work in each one of us. But here's something really important that we need to understand about this power and how it works. Because for us to properly understand it, we need to, we need to look at it or, or experience it or understand it in the context of relationship. Because this power that God gives us is not something that God gives away, like a piece of dynamite that he gives you so that you can just throw it and do whatever you want. That's not how it works. God never gives away his power. He shares his power with us. In fact, he shares himself with us. And then it is through that partnership, through that connection, through that intimate relationship that we operate out of the Holy Spirit in us. Does that make sense? This is uh, this idea of, of intimate connection and relationship uh, this is where the symbol of breath comes really, really handy. So let's look at a few more passages. We already read that at the beginning of the creation story, uh, the Spirit of God was involved in the whole process, creating heaven and earth and land and earth and all that. Then when we get to chapter two, we read a more detailed version of, of the moment when God created Adam out of soil, again, that element of nature, and then gave life to him. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Once again, we have a, a wonderful image of God being one with his creation, and this is probably one of the most beautiful passages in the entire Bible. It's it's such a beautiful moment, such an intimate moment. It's so tender. Just imagine God forming us and then breathing his own self into us. And I like to imagine that by taking a deep breath. So I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath with me. And as, as you do it, just imagine yourselves being filled by his Holy Spirit. Just take a deep breath. It's beautiful. Isn't it interesting how all we need to do to become aware of God's presence in us is to breathe. Just breathe. And that image of God breathing into our nostrils is not just a cute story from, from, from Genesis. No. Jesus did the exact same thing when he gave the Holy Spirit to his disciples. I don't know if you remember that, this. I actually didn't until I read it this week. But after he resurrected, he appeared to different people for about 40 days. And in one of those times, he appeared to the disciples and he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful image. Okay, so, so far, we've seen the Holy Spirit as creative force. He was there during creation, participating in the creation of every single thing on earth. We've seen him as rescuing force. He was there parting the waters, rescuing the Israelites. 
And we've also seen him as the source of life, particularly with this image of breath. And if we continue to look at all the different examples in the Bible, we realize that the Holy Spirit is also a source of freedom and joy. He's a source of inspiration and creativity. He's the whisper in the cave and also the loud sound of a trumpet. The Holy Spirit is with us wherever we go, teaching us, sustaining us, and empowering us to move forward. And I like to think of this as a bubble of soap and how it interacts with the air. Just think about it for a second. For a bubble to be created, you need the wind. You cannot create it without wind. And once it's formed, you also need the wind for it to fly, to, to, to stay in the air. So in other words, the wind is present during the entire life of a bubble. It's there to create the bubble, it's what fills the bubble, and it's also what carries the bubble. Eventually, it's also what pops the bubble, unless someone else does it beforehand. And I'm sure you've all seen bubbles before, but just in case you need a little extra help with this example, I'm going to show you a real-life bubble if it works, because it did not work during first hour. So we'll see what happens. We're going to make a bubble for you to see the effects. Look at that. It worked. <laughs> Should I try one more time? At the risk of ruining the whole thing? Bubble, look at that. <laughs> okay. So the very cool thing about bubbles, thank you Lord for helping me with that because I was a little nervous. Um, the really cool thing about the bubble is that we can see it, but we cannot see the wind inside of it, but we know it's there. And the same happens with God. We cannot see him, but we know he's there. So as you can see, the element of wind is a symbol, as a symbol for the Holy Spirit, helps us expand our understanding, but also our experience with the Holy Spirit in new, in new ways, in different ways, in exciting ways. Partnering with the Holy Spirit means that we can experience freedom and power. He gives us direction when we're lost, inspiration when we need it, creativity and joy. He brings movement and rhythm to our days, awakening and dynamism to our lives. The Spirit of God is the breath of life, a gift to you and me, and the very presence of God. That's how amazing the Holy Spirit is. Pretty cool, huh? Mm, I heard that. That was cool. Mm. Now, with all this in mind, with all those words and all those images and all that power, the question is, how do you experience the Holy Spirit? How would you like to experience the Holy Spirit? Or perhaps the better question is, how is God inviting you to experience the Holy Spirit? Maybe he's simply reminding you that he is with you wherever you go. That he's all around you, but he's also within you so that you do not need to fear you're not alone. 
Or maybe you've been having a hard time during your prayer time because you don't really know what to do or maybe you, you feel inadequate. And all God is doing today is asking you to relax and take a deep, deep breath so that you can become aware of his presence. And that's it. Maybe next time you go on a hike and you experience the breeze on your face, you can stop and enjoy that gift. And maybe you can even say, thank you, God. I know you're here with me. Whatever God is sharing with you today, I hope you're listening. And I hope you respond. Because he's always inviting us to more things, to new things, to partner with them, to experience him, to rejoice with them. What is God saying to you right now? If you're hearing anything, if you're sensing anything, grab a pencil from the pew and write it down. Write it down. And maybe whatever it is that God shared with you, you can go home and practice. Or you can go on that hike. Or you can take a deep, deep breath. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here with us. We recognize your presence and we also recognize your power in our lives. We thank you that you have called us to you. We thank you that with you and through you, we can experience freedom and joy and inspiration and creativity. We know that none of this would be possible without the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So we identify with the cross. We rejoice in the cross. And we ask you to give us the same resurrecting power that brought Jesus back to life. Give that power to us. Help us partner with you. Help, help us exercise it with you. We need you, God. We want you, Holy Spirit. So we receive you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so at this time, I'd like to invite you to prepare your hearts to receive communion. We're all gonna take communion together. And for those of you who are not familiar with this sacrament, with this moment, this really is a, a time when we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. It is a way for us to honor his death, but also to celebrate his life. All believers are invited to participate with the rest of the church and to partake of the bread and the cup, which are symbols for his body given for us and his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. So before you come forward, Jesus tells us, he invites us to do a heart check and to come before the Lord and to confess anything that we need to confess, anything that might be getting in the way in our connection with them and that intimacy that we're meant to have with them. So spend some time with God before you come forward and children, if you do not quite understand the meaning of this, that's okay. I'm going to ask you to, to simply participate by observing. You can come with your parents up front and you can go back and all of you take communion, but if you don't understand this meaning, just wait until you do. And parents just want to remind you that we have a resource sheet in the Welcome Center that can help you talk through, the, through this conversation with your children. So when you're ready, please come forward and take the elements of communion.